You're so cool. All right, welcome to VCR, a vintage cinema rewind. We're bringing old movies to new viewers. I'm Blake. And I'm Jason. He must have thought it was White Boy Day. It ain't White Boy Day, is it? Nah, man, it ain't White Boy Day. But it is True Romance Day yes. on the podcast. I am really excited to do this one. This is our first Quentin Tarantino movie. Yeah, and I don't even think I really knew about this one. I had I had heard quotes and things like that, but I had no idea where they were from. Did you know that Quentin Tarantino had written other movies like that he didn't direct? No, I didn't. Like I thought he only did his like 10. Right. Yeah, it was so interesting to see the little differences. That's, I think, something that, you know, this is our primer episode where we're talking spoiler-free about the movie True Romance. And I think a lot of our listeners are probably coming in with the same, like, mindset as you, right? Where mm-hmm. they didn't really know that Quentin Tarantino did movies before he did, you know, um, Reservoir Dogs and Pulp Fiction and, he, and started directing his own works, right? Like. This is a script that he wrote pre that. It actually came out after Reservoir Dogs. Yeah. Just the timing of all of how that all worked out. But does really feel like a Quentin Tarantino film. Yeah. And it's has some of his favorite parts and like his favorite uh, memories or things that he's created. Um, I saw some of that just doing some research. And like you can tell like the soul of it is Tarantino. Yeah, there's two things that Tarantino does like extraordinarily well, like debatably better than anybody else. And that's writing good characters and writing good character dialogue. Yeah. And that movie has this in spades. Yes. We're doing this for our February movie. It is quite romantic. It's literally called True Romance. It's, you know what? I, I was kind of thinking about this before we started recording and like, this is a guy's romance film. Yeah. Not a girl's romance film. Yeah. You know? I like the setup of how this film works, and maybe we should get into the the plot summary of this, but we really start with the like steamy romantic part of the film mm-hmm. to kick us off, and then the rest of the film is centered around these two people who are just like absolutely head over heels in love with each other. Yeah, yeah, and you see like a lot of sweet moments throughout, but the first like small act is very much romance, I would yeah. say. It's hard romance, and then it becomes hard everything else that you think of Quentin Tarantino. Yeah, yeah. So it makes it fun. Yes. It's for yes, the guys, does. probably, yeah. Yeah, more for the guys. Just, just likes this one. She says it's fine, but it's, yeah. it's not her favorite, but it's still a good time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'll get into the plot summary. So this is 1993's True Romance, where an avid movie watcher from Detroit connects with a Florida call girl gets into some uh, really 90s Bonnie and Clyde shenanigans. They end up on the run from cops and the mafia with a briefcase full of freedom. Yeah, it's our Valentine's Day for those who are looking to watch a classic, if untraditional, romance movie. Yeah, I like that. And I like like that we're kind of switching things up from some of the other rom-coms that we've done. Like, you know, this is... This is... Not the first romance you're going to think of when you're thinking on Valentine's Day. But again, this one, this one's for the guys, you know, yeah. and like every once every three years, switch things up. You don't have to watch like, you know, the classic romance films every time you can watch something a little bit more spicy. Yeah, exactly. And for anyone who's looking for another like old school romance, but also with some fun, this is it's not that old, but it's as old as us. 
<laughs> yeah, that's very true. And that's also part of the reason, again, like we actually, this is our back-to-back 1993 movies here. And I was talking about that with Mike a little bit. Being born in the early 90s, we kind of almost have like a a movie gap around this period, right? Mm-hmm, because yeah. we were too young to like, you know, pick up on any of this movies or this part of the 90s culture. And our parents wouldn't have really been picking up on a lot of this stuff because they would have been preoccupied. So like mm-hmm. this is this is really the space that, you know, we don't actually have as much of, except for, you know, the big stuff like Jurassic Park or something like that that comes out in ninety three. Yeah. But man, ninety three, one of the best years of movie years. It really is. It's like it was like a resurgence and like things kind of changed. I feel like. Yeah, for sure. With stuff like Jurassic Park and everything, absolutely it did. But anyway, that's that's a separate movie. Characters and people you may know. We've already talked about Tarantino's influence on this. Like I said, him and his buddy Roger Avery, also a filmmaker, who share a podcast together, the Video Archives podcast, which I would recommend checking out if you're a massive movie nerd. Um, those two just geek out about old 70s movies from the, at the time that they were uh, working at a movie rental store in California, which is pretty cool hearing some of those stories. Very cool. The reason partially why it's only written by him is, like I said, this is very early in Tarantino's career, and I'm going to get into, like, the backstory more in the deep dive episode, I think, but I just want to, like, lay the scene that, like, when he sold this script, he hadn't made a movie yet. Like, he hadn't even started really the directing process of Reservoir Dogs at the time that this script gets sold. So in part, this film is kind of the reason and the money that he used from this film went into developing Reservoir Dogs and becoming the big director that we know today. If you credit this as his, which technically it is, he had a movie come out in 92, 93, 94, and those like Reservoir Dogs and Pulp Fiction were absolutely massive. They kickstarted everything and they couldn't have been done without him selling this script yeah absolutely tony scott is the director of this tony scott did uh top gun yeah a few years prior and you see some of that like there's a lot of the fun aspect in this that i don't think tarantino could have really drew that kind of fun aspect in his his version would have been so serious That's what I think makes this so fun, is Tony Scott's side of it. Yeah, exactly. Like, Tony Scott's a pretty cool 80s, 90s director. He did some stuff in the 2000s as well. Also the brother of Ridley Scott, which is a really cool piece of trivia. Yeah. (laughs) I had no idea. Yeah, yeah. So, and the fact that, you know, the guy who did Top Gun, one of the most famous, like, military movies ever made and the sequel absolutely phenomenal that came out a couple years ago now the fact that somebody like tony scott who is coming off of top gun and beverly hills cop 2 like stuff like that like the fact that he made this movie kind of following up on those speaks to the importance of this script at this point in time Mm -hmm. like and and how valuable quentin tarantino already is in hollywood no doubt but anyway, I want to talk characters. We've kind of we kind of did this backwards a little bit, but so our our first character, Clarence Worley, he's instantly a character that I can connect to and I I can, you know, see myself in. He's like early 20s guy who's he works at a comic book store. He's kind of got that like loneliness, but like comfortably loneliness to him. Yeah, yeah. He's he's happy to just geek out over the stuff that he loves, which is comic books. Elvis. Elvis and cheesy kung fu movies and stuff like that, right? Yeah, yeah. 
and he's just like he he is so himself like he is unapologetically himself yeah you know like in the opening scene he literally is talking to this girl at a bar who is a pretty girl that is showing some interest in him and he is just like you want to go check out some kung fu movies with me tonight and she's like absolutely not (laughs) (laughs) i did read like this his character is kind of a stand-in for quentin himself like where he is that he is that like kind of a nerd guy but this character, I really like him as well because it's like he's in this relaxed phase of his life where he's yeah. like comfortable with himself. But I, you get the feeling that he's like waiting for something big to happen. Yes, and like that's such a like early twenties feeling. Like you're like I'm, I'm happy, I'm chill right here. But something's gonna happen, and I'm gonna go do something big. Yeah, and that's kind of also a good feeling going into this movie too, right? Because this is a, a like a journey kind of movie, right? Yeah, like it's an yeah. Odyssey type of film where the characters go on this epic grand adventure. Yeah. And so Clarence is played by Christian Slater, an actor that your mom probably knows the name of more than you do probably. Yeah. Very famous actor of the 90s. Good looking dude. You probably know him of recently, uh, Mr. Robot in the mid 2010s one of the starring roles of that actually he was mr robot i believe no i don't think so uh oh no he's not no i guess technically that's rami malik yeah Yeah, rami malik nymphomaniac movie that you absolutely loved yeah yeah has an appearance in that he was also (laughs) in uh robin hood prince of thieves which we yes which i did for the uh yeah for the draft and uh, he was will scarlet in that you know what? I totally got Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves mixed up with Robin Hood, Men in Tights. And I was <laughs> trying to picture where he was in that film. <laughs> That's fair, yeah. That makes yeah. so much more sense now. <laughs> yeah, it's all about after the colon What? Yeah. <laughs> to differentiate the movie. <laughs> <laughs> all Robin Hood are defined by after their colons. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so he's offset by Alabama Whitman, who is... Very young, very beautiful. She's instantly has this connection to Clarence. Like you, you just instantly sense like she's just she's a very positive person. She's a very like she'd be the kind of person that if she was in a room, everybody would gravitate towards her. Yeah, I almost want to say like uh, golden retriever energy. Yeah, that's it. That is it. But dripping with sexiness. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Played by Patricia Arquette. Who yes, is a huge actress. I feel like I should know more about her, but uh, Annabelle definitely knew who that was instantly, and I was like, "Oh yeah, another '90s actress." You've definitely most recently seen her in Severance, though. Yes, yes. And she plays like unhinged on the most opposite end of the spectrum yeah, in that film. Yeah, <laughs> which is great. It's great that she has that kind of range. She also did the film Boyhood, which came out in 2014, which she filmed for like 12 years which is wild i haven't seen boyhood right it's been on my list for forever yeah i haven't i haven't seen it yeah so she's she's a pretty big deal in from the 90s but also has had some really cool appearance the last 10 years she was in holes as well yes she is in holes i watched holes last week and it was decent yeah she was kissing kate barlow which as soon as uh as soon as i started this movie annabelle was in the other room and she heard her voice narrating because um alabama the character narrates the beginning and end of this 
movie yep. and uh she's like is that kissing kate barlow <laughs> i was like sounds like it and then it was <laughs> yeah i just recently rewatched holes and this isn't gonna just become a holes podcast but yeah. very important movie to our childhoods and our collective like nostalgia it's a movie that as i guess you know you could probably call us film critics at this point it's a movie that like has some flaws but overall, like the screenplay of it is so goddamn good that I can forgive the flaws. And yeah. everything that takes place in the like past with Kissing Kate is phenomenal. No notes. Perfect. Yeah, I agree. Really good movie. Really good movie. Worth checking out on Disney Plus uh, if if you're looking for some nostalgia hits. Yeah. But anyway, True Moat Romance Podcast. Those are the two main characters of this film. Everything is centered around their love, their connection in the movie. But this is also an ensemble cast. It's an ensemble huge. film. Absolutely massive huge. for '90s actors. Holy shit! Yes, that's actually part of the fun of this film is that you get to see. I'm literally going to list off about a dozen really hyper famous actors' names who started out in the '80s and '90s, who are now like I would say half of these are household names at yeah. least, and yeah. the other half are people that I all knew of beforehand, and that's why I'm bringing them up. And some of them are, like, really, really phenomenal roles and, like, mm-hmm. performances as well. Like, there's one in particular. I'll start with Gary Oldman yeah. playing Drexel, the drug dealer. This is maybe Gary Oldman's best performance ever. <laughs> he said it's one of his favorite. He has, like, yeah. two favorites, and that's one of them. He disappears into any role, but, like, yeah. this one, he's a whole other person. He just did so well. It's so fun. Yeah, it's great. We're going to talk about him for sure in the deep dive because it's part of the best, one of the best parts of the movie and a movie with a lot of best parts. Brad Pitt makes a, a very random appearance in this film very early on in his career. Yeah. It's kind of amazing, his performance as well, because of how low-key it is. Yeah, and it's all almost... Imp- all of his lines are improvised. He's just chilling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You kind of get the sense that they just like happened upon Brad Pitt chilling at home. Yeah. And they were like, you mind if we like film here? And he's like, yeah, go for it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Christopher Walken in like the best scene of the movie, debatably. Oh yeah. And off setting him is Dennis Hopper. Um, Val Kilmer makes an appearance, not in a appearance of his, his face. face. You don't yeah. see he plays Elvis in the film. I was looking everywhere for him and I didn't yeah. connect that until now. I didn't connect that either until the, uh, after I watched it the first time. Mm. And once you know, it kind of like, you can kind of see it like in his upper torso yeah. <laughs> when they show that. But anyway, James Gandolfini, who everybody knows is Tony Soprano. Yeah. I just started watching the Sopranos like last week. It's so good. It holds up so well oh my god i'm so into it right now so getting to see him in this performance like the performance that is the reason why he got the sopranos is really cool worth your time checking out just for that alone Mm -hmm. michael rapaport who we were just trading back gifts earlier (laughs) early role for him samuel jackson makes like a 30 second appearance and it's awesome (laughs) yeah i like because i knew the name and i saw him like i was like oh he's got to be a huge part nope he's dead within 30 seconds and that goes into yeah and that goes into his legacy and the film history like we'll talk about that in the the legacy part of this because i i love samuel jackson i can't believe we haven't done a samuel jackson movie yet we need to fix that he's one of my favorite actors he's like top five actors for me tom sizemore's in this 
and he's got a small but fun role as one of the police officers. Same with Chris Penn, who is Sean Penn's brother, another one of the police officers. No way. Saul Rubinek has one of the like craziest lines in this whole movie, which I was just talking about. We have to try our best to recreate. It's one of my favorites. Yeah. Conchetta Farrell, who you'd know from Two and a Half Men as the cleaner, Charlie's cleaner. She's yeah. great in this. Oh, what's very her brief, but because Annabelle like saw her and she's like she she heard her voice and she's like, is yeah. that is that Berta? Yes, it's Berta. It's yeah. Berta. Yeah. And Kevin Corgan. Pick any one of those names if you're interested in that actor. You should go check this movie out because every one of those performances is great. I have no notes. All on point. Yeah. And it's just exciting. It's exciting seeing all of these like household names just kind of make these brief, like wacky appearances in this movie. It's like they were all in the same college together and you're watching it. Like this is where a lot of them started. Or yeah. like, because well, Brad Pitt wasn't he was in like one thing before that was well known and like Samuel Jackson not in much or anything. Was this No, first? he's not even famous at this point. No, yeah, like almost nobody like a bunch of the actors and actresses weren't in anything except for like big like Christopher Walken. How early was this for Gary Oldman? I'm curious about. Uh he had Leon the Professional before this, so he's already like becoming a big Hollywood character actor and and all, also importantly a character villain. In yeah, Leon was a year later. Oh, really? Yeah, Leon was 1994. That? I was gonna say I was I I actually looked into this. So he did. Bram Stoker's Dracula in 92. Yes, and, yes. Uh, I don't know how big this was, but JFK in 1991. JFK is pretty huge, actually. They were showing that at Highlands like a few weeks ago, mm. and Magic Mike and I were going to go check it out because it's one of Magic Mike's favorite movies of all time. That's oh, a like Kevin cool. Costner movie. I'm... Really? Huh. Sid and Nancy, I've heard that movie from 1986. Mm-hmm. He plays Sid Vicious. But yeah, other than that, like he's this would have been huge for him too oh definitely and like obviously like him looking back on it so fondly speaks to that as well right yeah yeah exactly so who is this movie for does it hold up to a modern watch so i want to start by actually describing what this movie is because we've already kind of talked about it but like this movie is a romance it's a crime film it's got really funny moments and really good dialogue in it but you know, if you look at this movie as a whole, it kind of feels like almost like a fable, you know, like a like almost like a fantasy kind yeah. of film. Like I fit this into like Odyssey type of journey films. Like it's like a, almost like a subgenre. Like think of like Harold and Kumar is the one that instantly came to my head while I was thinking about this, where it's just like, you know, two characters on some sort of adventure. And it's just mm-hmm. like every 10 minutes you get a new famous actor just like making an appearance in the movie yeah, yeah. kind of thing. That style film. The other movies that I'm instantly thought about, like, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou is like instantly one that I connected to. Like that's literally a remake of The Odyssey. Mm. Big Fish, kind of similar in, in tone to this one genre, this one. And then you also have to look at the Bonnie and Clyde movies. and Oh, absolutely. Natural Born Killers came out after this, but it's it's very reminiscent in that like it has that darker aspect, but this doesn't go as dark as Natural Born Killers. So I'm about to blow everybody's minds here, and I'm going to say that Natural Born Killers, also a film that originally started as a Quentin Tarantino script, and shares a very, very deep connection with this film, which I'm going to get into in the deep dive. Oh, shit. I know what it is now. 
<laughs> but yeah, no, like definitely the difference is, and I'm going to talk about this more in the deep dive, is Quentin Tarantino made two scripts that he didn't direct. He really likes one of them. He doesn't love the direction of the mm. other one. This is the one he really enjoyed. Yeah. True Romance is the film that he completely stands for. The other film that I was just going to briefly mention, name drop, is Bo is Afraid, a movie that mm. came out last year. Ari Aster, big up-and-coming director, absolutely love all of his works. Bo is Afraid's like probably the weakest of his three films, like he did Midsummer and Hereditary. I would say Bo is Afraid is like a good example of what this type of like subgenre is like, but it also isn't a movie that I would recommend to very many people. Yeah, I was super interested in that. It's impossible for me to get Annabelle to be into watching that one, so I have to watch that one alone sometime. Yeah, I watched that on like a Saturday afternoon once while Jess was working because there was <laughs> absolutely no way I was getting her to watch it. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad it exists, but it's not. It's nowhere near any sort of top movie list of mine. Yeah. Does this movie hold up in your mind to a modern watch? Yes, 100%. Anybody can watch this at any time and you will just get uh, drawn in and you'll be so along for the ride. It's so fun. Yeah. And like part of the draw is like we said, that that ensemble cast is part of what makes it so fun. But you really have to give it to Tarantino for his his writing and his dialogue. Again, like it's just so engrossing. Everybody feels alive. Everybody feels lived in, you know, like. Yeah. Yeah. And like unique people that you don't just like everyone is unique you couldn't place one of the characters into another movie like it's just they're different yeah 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 agreed the only thing i'll say about this and this is you know 2024 reflection of 2024 some of the dialogue is a little bit racier than what you would expect in a modern day film now if you're a massive tarantino fan like i am you come to expect some of it like you know he's dropping hard ends and hard f's here there and everywhere and i think that the way that the film utilizes a lot of that dialogue is relatively appropriate for the time yeah and its use in conveying what it's trying to convey but it's also some people are going to be upset by that and that's and that's completely fair i I, you know be upset Mm -hmm. by what you want to be upset by yeah yeah for the average person, this is very worth watching, and you can uh, gloss over those parts and accept the time period that this was written in and produced in and everything. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's great, and the pacing's, like, on point of this one. There's never a dull moment in this film. Yeah, and uh, there's almost no annoying tropes of, like, oh, if they just knew that, then blah, blah, blah. Like, if like there were no, like, communication errors between characters and stuff like that. It's, right. It has everything and it doesn't have any of the fluff or any bullshit. But to actually kind of bounce off that idea as well, right? Like I find that this film is like a love letter to every movie that came before it in mm, a sense. Yeah. Like this movie takes so much from other films. Like it references movies, it references mm. TV and comics. Like there's just so many pop culture references in this. You know, you can you can see the influences that this movie has like or had 
And you can also feel some of like the influences that this movie had afterwards too, right? Like there's actually some really cool movies. Like I I would also say like if you're interested in movies like Guy Ritchie films, like Longstock, mm. Two Smoking yeah. Barrels and Snatch, the last half of this movie, I was like, there's no way Guy Ritchie hasn't seen this movie a hundred times. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah. And it felt so similar to Reservoir Dogs. Like, just yep. as you're watching it, like you can't not see those references, but uh, it's yeah, like all the little movie references, like he actually names movies, uh, Christian Slater's character, like names movies, like as he's pulling out in his car really fast, like doing a burnout, he's like, and now back to bullet for regular programming or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and even like they'll there's even moments where people will quote lines from films right and like they won't like say what the movie is but they'll just drop a quote from yeah yeah all right one scene to sell the movie the one scene that you would show somebody to say we we should watch this tonight or you should check this out tonight this one's kind of hard because I'll, I'll, i'll preface this by saying two things first this is like the only movie ever that doesn't have a movie clips on youtube yeah playlist so you know, we have to kind of just look at what people have uploaded, what people love. The other point I'll make to this is that I would say almost every scene you could probably show to somebody, depending on, especially if you know what that person is into. Yeah. You could sh- share like really any scene and be like, you know, this is what this movie is. And they'd be like, yeah, that's kind of neat. I- I'd probably check that out, actually. Yeah. I basically identified two that I think would get anyone pumped for the movie. Uh, one is more for like the film fanatic, and that is the Sicilian scene, which yes. is Quentin Tarantino's like favorite scene of this movie and one of his most favorite things that he wrote. And it's based off of real story that he was told by a uh, a black friend of his who stayed at his house once. I I think it's like yeah, that's a scene that you know, might make a few people squeamish for a few different reasons, but it's absolutely beautiful, like beautifully shot, beautifully acted. Like it's Christopher Walken, Dennis Hopper, just trading lines, like trading snips at each other. It's incredible. It's, it's so good that like, I think it's the first scene where you like really get lost in the film. Like it, like it elevates the film essentially. Exactly. And I think it really shows we're, we're getting a scene. Dennis Hopper is the main character's father and you start to get a deeper picture of Clarence's heart because you see how much is in his father and his father is just so brave and so badass in this impossible scenario he's found himself in. And, uh, like, he holds his own against, like, a dawn of the mafia. Right, or his conciliary. Yeah, yeah. The way it's written is just perfect. And it just, like, puts you on the edge of the seat. You don't know. You know where it's leading, really. Yeah. But uh, he handles it with grace. Yeah, it's easily, like I said, one of the best scenes in the movie. It's probably on par, tied for my favorite scene in the movie. It's it's incredible. It's it's a must-watch scene. It's a scene that you might have even heard the dialogue from, from yeah, it before because yeah. it's so iconic, right? And all of Christopher Walken's lines, like, I, I love doing the Christopher Walken impression. And yeah. uh, at the end of the scene, he's like, you're a cantaloupe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My scene is, I knew, I figured you were going to pick a scene like that because it's like, 
it is the best scene of the movie. Yeah. I tried to go with one that like played the off the dynamic of Clarence in Alabama. And so I went with the hire to hook up with him scene where Alabama comes clean about who she really is. Really early on in the movie, like first 10 minutes of the film, 15 mm. minutes of the film, it sets up like their dynamic and their relationship, how like just absolutely in love with each other they are. It's just like a classic Tarantino scene with just two people talking and I'm just completely engrossed the whole time. Yeah. Like yeah. nothing's happening except for two people talking. It also has, it's done to the backdrop of Hans Zimmer's score, which, you know, Hans Zimmer, one of the most recognizable composer names in Hollywood, I think ever. Yeah. So I had no idea he did that. Yeah. I was, I was waiting to name drop him. (laughs) It's just like incredible. Like I love the score of this film and we're going to talk about that probably in some detail because it's it's also mixed incredibly well. I was going to mention that, like, even in the scene that you're talking about, the Sicilian scene, like, the score of that scene is, again, just, like, masterful yeah. work. Oh, yeah. Like, really good song. It's like a Italian opera song that just, you know, as soon as you hear it, you're like, oh, yeah, here we go. Yeah, like, you yeah. know, it's, it's a good pump-up song for some reason for me. Yeah, you know, I, no doubt. When that scene, it's it's like it's like this scene is going to be epic when that song comes on. Yeah, yeah, it works so well there. Yeah, so I I wanted to pick a scene that really like you know again showed the dynamic of Clarence and Alabama set up their relationship. I it was really important to me to have both of them because this is the other like really exciting part of Quentin Tarantino as a writer. This is something that like a lot of screenwriters and a lot of directors struggle with is writing like compelling female characters Mm. and alabama i consider a complete equal to clarence in this film oh yeah like she gets the opening monologue really yeah in the credits she gets the closing monologue in the credits like she is one-to-one clarence is equal in this film yeah they're soulmates and you can tell that right off the bat like in her um when she's trying to come clean in that scene you could tell that she's also waiting for something big to happen. Like they're both in the same place at the same time. It was just like meant to be. So that's set up so well. Like they balance each other in the fact that they're so similar. I don't know. Yeah, definitely. When to watch. For me, this is like a Sunday afternoon, Sunday evening kind of film. Yeah. I love I love these kind of like journey type movies where I can just lay on the couch on a rainy Sunday afternoon and just like really have a good time you know yeah i think it's to me it would work as a replacement for a party that was just canceled (laughs) that's actually good like really good uh time to watch that yeah yeah like if on a friday or saturday night there was uh and like my plans were canceled and uh, like i i've already had like a pre-drink and i'm like ah i guess i'll just have to watch a movie then um this would like keep my spirits high and i'd be like oh yeah it was so easy to get drawn in and like excited and yeah it's so fun yeah you're gonna have a lot of fun with this one for sure where to watch right now it's kind of hard to stream this one the only place where it's available is on hollywood suite um what i'll say though about that is i streamed this one within the last two years on prime so it does make its kind of cycle through the different streaming platforms Mm -hmm. so it's a movie that you know if you're not interested in renting I rented this on Apple TV Plus. Then it's one that like I would kind of keep an eye open for, right? Like yeah. if yeah, I would I would keep an eye for this one if you see it on the streaming platform, 
that you're subscribed to, check it out. Or if it's on your dad's shelf in the basement covered in dust. <laughs> yeah. Uh, VHS. Right beside his old Playboys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I subscribed to the uh, Hollywood Suite or whatever on Prime so that I could watch it, and I'm just going to cancel it later. Yeah. How was the experience <laughs> on Hollywood Suite? Oh, it was perfect. It was just like watching Prime. Like, it was just Prime. So, yeah. I, I like I like giving, you know, brief uh, description of sometimes some of these, like, weird streaming sites. Mm. Are, the quality is, like, sometimes hit or miss on them. So, it's always good to have an idea of what they're like. And that's it for the primer episode. So I I can't recommend this one enough to the group of people that we've talked about. Like the Tarantino fans are going to just absolutely take this one and run. I think a lot of people are really going to enjoy this movie though. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's for almost everyone. Like Annabelle had a good time. I had a good time. Anybody could watch this who isn't, I guess, too squeamish. Yeah. I mean, I guess the bar is, do you like Tarantino films? Like something like Pulp Fiction or Inglorious Bastards too much for you? Maybe don't check this one out. Yeah, yeah. That's the bar. <laughs> yeah, that's the bar. If either of those movies your appeal to you, you should probably go watch this one. Definitely. Cool. We'll see you next time then. Tell your grandpa. <laughs> Tell your girlfriend to watch this one on Valentine's Day with you. Yes, yeah, there you go. It's it's a for you. It's a for you. Yeah, just just say, oh, there's this awesome movie. It's called True Romance. I think you'll really like it. And don't imply that there's anything other than romance going on. Yeah. And then by the end of the movie, she'll be like, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We'll see you next time. See ya.